Now, let me take a wild guess here. You're Brett, right? Correct. I thought so. Um, I got into Yale Law School. Check out the big brain on Brad. That's the number one law school in the country. You're a smart motherfucker, that's right. I had no connections there. I got there by busting my tail. Looks like me and Vincent caught you boys at breakfast. Sorry about that. Did you have it? Beer. I still like beer. Mm. You mind if I have some of your tasty beverage to wash this down? Sometimes I had too many beers, but I did not drink beer to the point of blacking out. And I never sexually assaulted yes, anyone. Yes, you did. Yes, you did, Brett. He is warm, friendly, unassuming. He's the nicest person. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Okay, how do you feel about that? I really like it. I think, uh, think that should be the next premise for... Tarantino's movie for next Tarantino's next film. for Tarantino Star Wars Tarantino Tarantino Star Trek Star Trek yeah Star yeah. Trek uh yeah I wanted to show that last week but then I totally forgot and it's probably a good thing because that podcast is two hours and I apologize to everyone that listened to it. you're all lucky to have us for two hours oh <laughs> I'm not that I'm not that pretentious ah oh uh-huh. uh... okay so week two episode two of the podcast mm-hmm. and I gotta say already I'm pretty pleased with how the first one did. I'm really grateful to all 16 of you. 25 as oh, of today. Wow. It's literally going up. Oh, man. By squares. Every time I check, it's a new square. <laughs> oh, yeah. Touche. Be 36 next. Touche. Didn't I'll, even think about that. I like math. Yes. So, actually, following up on what we did last week, this week we're going to talk about Brett Kavanaugh, I guess. Oh, no. <laughs> well, okay. But to this Why week's you do focus. This, to me? this Well, okay. This week's focus is going to be. Not about the sexual assault stuff, because as I predicted, he was confirmed. I know. I was so wrong. Who won that bet? You did. You won it. I, I was wrong. I totally should I have hope, put money I, on it. I, I hope, tried to tell you. I hope you, en- I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> I don't. I'm not happy with this at all, but you know, it is what it is. I hate to be right. I wish I was wrong. I really do wish I had been wrong, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. So he was confirmed. So today for the big topic, we're going to talk about what that means for the Supreme Court. Okay. Okay. I have a lot of issues, a lot of data on mm-hmm. how he's ruled previously mm-hmm. and how things can go going forward. However, before we begin that, I have a new segment for us. Is it about your Appalachian tag when you say data? Go on. What? Yankees say data. Did I say data? I'm pretty you, sure I said data. You said data. That's how Southerners say it. Oh. Okay. We're Southerners. Don't feel but bad his, about name, it. his name on Star Trek was Data. Data is the right way to say it. In fact, there's a whole subplot in, in season two. You think Gene? You think Gene Roddenberry was Southern? He may have been. I he forget. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Carry on. Anyway, don't. Well, just while we're on it, yeah. You remember there was a whole a whole thing in season two with the with the second Doctor, and she called him Data, and he was like, "My name's Data." Oh man, no, I do. And not she goes, that. she goes, "What's the difference?" And he goes, "One is my name, the other is not." Man, I did not store that in memory, but I'm glad I'm glad you're handling that for us. Yeah, it was it was the Doctor that replaced Crusher, and then she only lasted for like one. Oh, season. Oh yeah, the blonde lady who who like broke transportation, or you know the transporter. She made, oh, she yeah. broke the technology right like yeah. they made it so that like you could cure any disease with that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, sorry. That's for the other show. <laughs> So, actually, speaking of 
this podcast actually so here's the first new segment i have the podcast is now available it's on itunes it's on google play it's on pocket casts okay so if anybody's listening to this and you want it in a different place uh go ahead and let us know don't call me pretentious at gmail.com or in the comments or wherever um i will say the one place i haven't been able to get it so far is google podcast Oh, I've never heard of it, so maybe that's okay. Well, it's a new thing, and there's no way, like iTunes and, and Google Play, because Google Play Podcasts and Google Podcasts are two different things, because Google. Wow. Okay. Yes. And Google Play works like iTunes, where you submit it, and they review it, and they go, oh, yes, you've been approved, and now here's a link, right? Mm-hmm. Google Podcasts. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Okay, Google, stop. Yeah, that was my Google Home. <laughs> yeah, you can't say Google in Paul's house. You can't say that. Under any circumstances. No, no. Man, that was a mistake. Okay, anyway. Google's listening. Yes. So let's just say it more quietly now. Uh, so there are two different things. And, and what the podcast one does, not play, but what podcast does, is they just scrape the internet for RSS feeds and add them automatically. So there's no way for, and they haven't picked mine up and there's no way for me to do it. And so I don't know what to do. There's no way. So if you're using Google Podcasts, I, I don't know what Let to tell you. Let us know how to, how to get our thing yes. on there. If we'll somebody it. could tell it because it says it's going to do it automatically and it's not picking up and I don't know what to do with that. And mm. there's nothing I can do with that. Well. So, because it's out there. iTunes recognizes it. Everybody else recognizes it. But Google's not picking it up for some reason. Yeah. I don't understand. So anyway. Other than that, also on the YouTube page, mm-hmm. subscribe. Yes. Don't call me pretentious. Or don't call me political. Yes. This is that the, is our channel. This is the Don't Call Me Political channel. We created a separate channel. Oh, so by the way, on iTunes and all the other places, that's what it's called. Don't call me political. Yes. So. Okay. With that out of the way, the second news section is called Newsflash. Newsflash. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I don't know what that was. Okay, anyway. So, newsflash. We're just, this is just where we're going to go quickly. Okay. There are a couple of big stories that have happened this week. That sounds like you. Carry on. Just, that <laughs> sounds like me? <laughs> oh, brief. Yeah. No. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to try to keep it brief. Excellent. I'm going to try to get your hot takes on this. I like it. Story one. The world is ending. So, the IPCC which is, I believe, the uh, International Panel on Climate Change Mm -hmm. from the UN, uh, released a report on Tuesday and that said that in order to cut carbon emissions in half by 2030, or sorry, that we have to cut our carbon emissions in half by 2030 in order to uh, limit um, warming to 1.5 degrees C. Mm Mm-hmm. And right now we're nowhere close to that target. Right. And we just we dropped out of the Paris Accords. Yep. And so, and, and to be clear, even in this report, they say that 1.5 degrees C will result in 40 million people suffering greatly due to famine, drought, or their homes literally being underwater. There are low-lying islands that will literally be underwater. Ooh, we could be part of a mass migration. That will result in one iceless year in the Arctic per 100 years. But a two degree C would result in one iceless year per decade. Ooh. And in order to reach this, 
It will require an average global. I don't know why I said average that way. It will result in an average global. We will need an average global investment of $2.4 trillion per year worldwide from 2016 to 2030. So we have to go back in the past and tell ourselves to spend $2.4 trillion two years ago to hit 1.5 degrees C. How much do you think we spent in 2017? And don't read the thing that's on the screen. Uh, I'm going to guess goose egg. $280 billion. Okay. Worldwide, not the United States. So we need to increase our spending by a factor of 10. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were at... Now. Yeah. Two years ago. So currently, our current trajectory is 3.7 degrees C of warming by the end of the century. Oh, man. Which would be devastating. Right. But they're, not, but they're just talking about... They're talking about what the results of 1.5 Celsius... Yeah, 1.5 Celsius will result in 40 million people suffering but but almost droughts four, famines but almost, category six hurricanes but almost four degrees so double that is what we're on on track for more than double that i don't think anyone knows that no no one knows that i didn't know and, that and, and i knew i knew about the 1.5c thing i read that but i didn't know that it, we were on track to hit 3.7 yeah, if if our carbon emissions keep at their current trend and by the way uh that has obviously some uncertainty the upper bound of that 3.7 degree c is five degrees c yeah. Yeah. What do they call that? The Precambrian period? I don't know. It That's the last like time the it was that hot. Period. That sounds like the last time we were that hot, it was, I think, the Precambrian yes. era. Let me know anybody if I'm wrong. So basically, the world is ending, and I'm sorry to, to let you all know that. Um, Bugs will get bigger. That's good for them. You know, Russia will be, Siberia will be habitable. I've so heard Russia's that. pretty happy about I've this, heard, is it, are, they, are they really, is it like a thing? They really it's like are, a thing. I thought it, I heard that, but yeah. I didn't know if it was true. Uh, Colbert went to, uh, went to Russia and was interviewing people. Remember he did that thing where he went to yeah, Russia yeah, and he yeah. was interviewing people? Yeah. And they were like, oh, Siberia will be habitable again. Oh, wow. And it's actually, it's actually going to help them in trade too, because as the Arctic shelf, right, the they'll ice be, shelf they'll goes be able much, to. they can actually use the ships in the Arctic Circle. Oh, <laughs> Whereas wow. right now they have to take their ships you know, down around China and Africa and everything. Oh, okay. Yeah. And said they'll just be able to go through the Arctic Circle to get to Europe. So so they're pretty happy about it. Mm-hmm. The rest of us are kind of screwed. Yeah. So especially poor people in lots of poor places. So anyway, sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but we're all gonna die. Because oh, and I Yikes. guess the other thing I didn't mention, uh Trump today said that it was fake news. Today again? Yeah. Did he he say, was, he was doing he... a thing and they asked him about it. He said, Who wrote it? And they were like the IPCC. He's like, who is that? They're probably paid by somebody. By China. Probably. Ugh. Anyway, story two. Sorry about that, ancestors or descendants. 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 Yeah. This is why I won't have kids. That and I'm single. Hit me up. <laughs> okay. Story two. The U.S. has announced that they will no longer give visas to same-sex partners of U.N. ambassadors. Who announced this? Who said it? Who said it out loud? Um, How did we find this out? Department of Homeland Security, I think. They, they announced a policy change. Now, did they make that decision, or did, did the big T, did 45 make it? Well, I mean, it's, it's the Trump administration. So, like, who knows? Did they say why? So, yeah, here's the bullshit answer they gave for yeah, it. Yeah. That they are making it fall in line with the 2015 Supreme Court decision that legalized gay marriage. Because here, here's the spin that they put on it. That, in fact, this will bring... Because current U.S. law... So the current directive says that, for example, if you're a heterosexual couple mm-hmm. and you, you know, you're a U.N. ambassador 
you can bring your heterosexual partner with you, but you have to be married in order to get a visa yeah. for your partner. So they're saying, well, so now we're just applying the same rule to homosexual couples, the same sexual couples. Okay. Which sounds totally legit. Sounds totally reasonable on its surface. Okay. However, over 90% of UN member states don't have legal same sex marriage. Oh. So in nine out of 10 UN countries, an ambassador literally couldn't get married. Uh, okay. That's clever. Yeah. Good work, guys. Wait a yeah. uh, nice hit. Yeah. Solid punch. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was something like uh, 15 ambassadors to the U.S. or something like that. I bet. I Our, bet. Their spouses, or their partners are now no longer going to be able to stay in the U.S. on a visa. Respect. Good hit. I bet the gays are real impressed. Yeah. You remember, you remember when everybody was saying Donald Trump was the most LGBTQ-friendly Republican in uh, history? Were people saying that? Or oh, was, yeah. Or was person saying it? He was it? saying it, too. Yeah, I know, I know he was saying it. Yeah. Other nobody, people, I, I totally nobody's saw... done more for the LGBTQ than me. Yeah, I mean, he literally hugged the, the flag. Upside down. Yeah. No, no, well, that was the American flag. He hugged the, the rainbow flag. Upside down. Oh, was it? Yeah, it was upside down. Oh, you yeah. can't tell because it's a rainbow. I wouldn't have known, so, it, but it was upside down. So, I would have known so, on stage. So it wasn't Roy G. Biv. It was Viv G. Your. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Anyway, he's, a, he's an idiot. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, I just dropped that in there. Um, yeah, so there was something else I was going to say. And I totally forgot. So we're moving on. Story three. Amazon has raised its minimum wage to $15 an hour. Now. First reaction to that. Yay. Okay. Yeah. It's a good thing, right? Yes, sure. Turns out there's a catch. It's going to be dark. I know it's going to be dark. Whatever Turns it out is. there's a catch. What's the catch? Uh, the company secretly announced the next day when nobody was paying attention that it was cutting its bonuses entirely and eliminating a stock incentive program that gave long-term employees stock. Now, if employees want stock, they will have to buy it. So okay. even, even though they're raising their minimum wage... Yeah. They're cutting bonuses. Oh, okay. But did minimum wage workers get bonuses beforehand? Yes. So, oh. so you got bonuses for uh, production-based bonuses, attendance-based bonuses, things like that. Okay. So I, I'm going to be honest. On the surface, I would much rather see higher baseline wages than bonuses. Because bonuses tend to... Like, for example, one of the bonuses they gave was an attendance-based bonus, right? So, yeah. like, if you have perfect attendance for a year, you mm -hmm. got a bonus. Mm -hmm. But, like, if you got sick or a family member died, well, then you don't have perfect attendance, you don't get the bonus. Mm -hmm. That sucks for you, and you didn't really have any choice on that, right? Yeah. And that incentivizes people to not go to their funerals, not go see family in the hospital, not take time off work when they're sick, and therefore they get other people sick, right? So, in general... I like the idea of having higher baseline wages and no bonuses. Unfortunately, um, when you raise the baseline wages and then you cut the bonuses, then they all kind of end up being a wash. You didn't really do me any favors, I yeah, don't think. No, that's... Uh... So I'm not a big fan of that. And also, just a reminder, Jeff, Ma Jeff Bezos earns $30,000 per second. Oh. So he just like take a break and then just like pay all his employees for a yeah. minute? His, he, he earns more per second than his median worker's salary, yearly salary. Is that uncommonly high? Yes. Oh, okay. Boo. Well, these days, so the median CEO makes, I think it's like 380 times the median worker. 
which is 10 times higher than the international average because America. America. But, uh, but yes, even that I think is pretty, and to be fair, that's not liquid wealth. That's, that's, that's just wealth in general. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that's from stock. Yeah. Which is not really the same thing. Still, he's the richest man in the world. And he's cutting bonuses to pay for a minimum wage increase. Is Amazon the one the that was wage like, increase, was, had a feudalism policy for a minute? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was one, there was a company, I don't think it was Google, I think it was Amazon. I will have to look it up. I, about, uh, they were offering, uh, instead of payment, they were offering like, like a trailer park. Like they were offering like a trailer. Oh. And food or something. Like they were just, it was a straight up yeah, feudalism they have, offer. They ha- yeah, they've had weird things. Okay. Yes. I think they have done something like yeah. that. Uh, I think Ford did that too, okay. back in the day. Huh. Not recently, back in the Henry Ford days. I'd be down with it if they still knighted people. If I, <laughs> I would be for it if you, they could knight me. I could be Sir Jason. I mean, I can take a, ne- a sword to your neck. You, if you, don't, you don't, you're not a feudal lord. When you're a feudal lord, we'll talk. I mean, I could be. You could be. You gotta They're not it. either. They're just playing one on TV. Well, if they have people that like subsist off their land and that, <laughs> like that, it, they are. All Touché. right. Okay. Story number four. Taylor Swift, part of the hashtag resistance. Mm-hmm. Did you see this? Oh, yeah. No, I was really into it. So, so she's your home state. Yeah, Tennessee. Woo, yeah. Rocky Top. So she came out against Marsha Blackburn, who's the Republican running for the Senate seat to replace Bob Corker. Yeah. Because she doesn't re- represent her Tennessee values. Yeah. Doesn't represent Swiss. Yeah. And she endorsed uh, Phil Bredesen, mm-hmm. who's running for the Senate, and some other guy who's running for representative in her district that I don't remember. And yeah. Don't really care about. <laughs> but anyway. So the interesting thing that came out of this was, well, there are two interesting things. First one is, there was a big spike in voter registration. Yes. But it's kind of hard 60, to say. 65,000? 65,000, yes. But it's kind of hard to say if that was due just to her, because it was also the last day to register in most places. Well, not only in Tennessee, but like in Indiana, Kentucky, Alabama. It was like October 9th was the last day to register in a whole bunch of states. I'm willing to give all the credit to her for that, for that number. Yes. Okay. Yes. She deserves Welcome. it. She deserves it. Welcome. Welcome, Welcome to the resistance, Taylor Swift. <laughs> What is it? Friend of the people? Yeah, friend of Taylor Swift. Friend of the people. Hero, hero of, of the, the Republic. Republic. <laughs> we'll see. But the second fun thing to come out of that was, up until that point, there was a large contingent of the uh, alt-right that believed she was secretly alt-right. That yeah, she was neo-Nazi. I, I had heard something about it, but... Yeah. Go on, what, what was it? I mean, I don't want to get a whole thing about it, but it was essentially a bunch of stupid people on 4chan, which doesn't narrow it down, but... A bunch of stupid people on 4chan were like, there's like a whole thing with a cat naming contest. It's, it's stupid. Don't, anyway. So there's a whole thing with like a cat being named and they thought that she was a, a 4chan lurker and commented on there anonymously. And there's just like a whole bunch of stuff that happened that people, and plus she's in country music. She's from Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. people thought, and she hadn't, she never endorsed Hillary Clinton. So people thought like, oh. She's, you know, she, she's secretly she one of us. Secret. She's yeah. secretly one of us. And the Daily Stormer, the neo-Nazi website, yeah. even ran like a whole big story saying like Taylor Swift is the Aryan goddess of the alt-right. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, she showed them. She showed them. Oh, and they're pissed. They're burning her albums. 
Aww. Yeah. Aww. As if they didn't already pay for him. Maybe her next album will be super political. That'd be fun. Would it? Yeah. I like yeah. Taylor Swift's music. I didn't really listen to it. I will never, I'm never going to say another bad thing about her again. I am on her side. Here's the, here's the weird thing. I'm with her. <laughs> here's the weird thing. I would probably be more likely to listen to Kanye than I would Taylor Swift. I, you, I, Kanye I, is in a weird place right I now. I know, and I, I would have said that too, but I, I feel different about it now. Who, who would have thought when we saw Kanye hop, hop on stage and said, I'm going to let you finish, but Beyonce had one of the best videos of all time, that five years later we'd be sitting here going like, wow. Kanye's part of the neo-fascist movement. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> Taylor Swift is part of the hashtag That's a good resistance. point. That's a good point. I hadn't weird, thought of it that way. Weird turn of events yeah. here. What and a fun world. You remember, you remember back in 2005, Kanye, George Bush doesn't care about black people? Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, man. It's okay. Trump does. Things are you, so weird. And Taylor Swift was still in high school back then. Oh, right. Yeah. Of course, All so right. was I. Anyway. And then the final story of the newsflash. Democrats now have a 30-point lead among women in polling for the midterms. Woo! Go, ladies! This is according to a poll. Uh, I forget who, who it was from. I think it's um, uh, CBS. Uh, anyway, but overall, in this poll, Democrats have a 13-point lead in the generic ballot. So, so that means when you ask a general person, like a, just a random person, would you support the Democrat in your election? Or would you support the Republican? Not yeah. even get them names. Just say, would you support a Democrat or a Republican? Yeah. On that generic ballot, Democrats have a 13-point lead. It was 54 to 41. That's good. That's good news, right? Well, here was the quote from this. Yeah. This was, here was a quote from this, uh, this article on Vox. It says, quote, Democrats have a 13-point advantage, which could be enough to overcome gerrymandered districts and allow Democrats to retake a House majority if it holds. That's good news. A 13-point lead might be enough to get a slim majority. I, I know. we got to start somewhere, man. I'm willing. Let's take I, it back. I know. It's, it's good. But holy shit, we have to work I, on this I, democracy I know, stuff. I know. I this know. is You're right. not good. This is not good. Also, things are not looking great in the Senate. The chances are increasingly strong that Republicans will maintain or, in fact, increase their lead in the Senate. Oh, I just want to bury my head in the in sand. In fact, there is now only a 10% chance that Democrats will take a majority. Well, sorry, there's only a 10% chance that Donald Trump would win. <laughs> 1%. There was 10% on silver. It was yes, 20, yes. It was 20 v- v- uh, eight I think, in I the think morning. It was 20, it was think, 20 in the morning, but it got yes. worse. Yeah. Yeah. The New York Times had it. Remember the stupid little speedometer bullshit they had on mm-hmm. election day? Oh, I don't know. They had a speedometer thing on election day. It was like, what was the chance? And it started at like 99% Clinton. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the night, you just kept watching going, oh, 50. Oh, motherfucker, this is bad. Yeah. It was not, it was I, not good. I don't remember it. Uh, anyway, in fact, there is as much of a probability that Republicans gain four seats wow. as there is a possibility that Democrats get a one-seat majority. Okay, let's just take one of them. Let's take one. Let's take one house. See, the here's house. the thing. If you were going to take one, the Senate's the one that matters. I, well, they both matter. Not really. Uh, the House of Representatives doesn't matter. Not really. To not, pass not a law. Not right now. No. Because here's the thing. You the, both, they don't have to pass both houses. A law it does have, have to pass both houses. Okay. But that's my point. So, so the House, having majority of the House, you can't do anything by itself. Right. It would still have to get through a Republican-controlled Senate and a Republican White House. Right, okay? but we could, yeah, so we could slow them down. That's all. But I'm we thinking. already can, because for generic laws, 
they haven't repealed the filibuster in the Senate. So they need 60 votes to pass laws ah, in the Senate. Okay, yeah, yeah. And even if they gain four seats, they're not going to get that. And they only have a 10% chance of getting four seats. They would only have 55. Mm-hmm. So we can still slow them down in the Senate. They can't pass anything without at least some Democrats in the Senate. Yeah. Even if things go horribly wrong, right? However, you know what you can do in the Senate with a one-seat majority? Approve Supreme Court justices, approve federal court yeah. justices, yep. approve Secretary of State, Secretary of Education. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that the Senate can do without the House. They're doing a crackerjack job. And there's almost nothing the House can do without the Senate. Okay. Well. The Senate is by far, and especially now that they've gotten rid of the filibuster for judicial appointments, the Senate is by far the more important one. We're going to win both. I can't, I can't bear to hear anything else about it. I can't. It's so sad. I appreciate your enthusiasm. I, we're going to win. And I point to the Kavanaugh We're going to win and it's going to be great. I, pr- I appreciate your enthusiasm. The age of Aquarius is coming. <laughs> from a song yeah i know the song okay. age of aquarius <laughs> why did you think i didn't know the song i don't know i just don't know how it fits into this context isn't that, that, that Aqu- was the look. age of aquarius it's like it's a good time it's what it means right it means that it's good isn't yeah i'm pretty sure because it, it fo- and understanding. It, yeah it follows with let the sh- sun shine in it's, it's let a happy the sunshine it's it's good anywho Okay, so now for the big topic. Mm-hmm. Big topic. I, I need a song. Uh, uh, she's a brick. We <laughs> <laughs> want a song. I got you a song. I didn't mean a real song. <laughs> oh, I meant like a stock stock oh. audio. Song. Okay, well, Don't worry about it. Let's you, get the rights to that song. The moment's gone. Okay, we're past. Okay, so now to the big topic. Brett Kavanaugh. On the Supreme Court. And actually, it kind of dovetails nicely with the discussion about the Senate. Mm -hmm. Because he's there. He won. Yep. He's on the Senate. He was sworn in, I don't know, Saturday or Sunday. That's the pictures you're looking at from him being sworn in. Mm -hmm. So, have fun with that. Listen to the audio podcast. (laughs) Anyway. uh, Okay, so the first thing I want to start here, talking about Kavanaugh on the Supreme Court. Because mostly what I want to talk about is how he's going to judge on the Supreme Court. Mm-hmm. what he's going to mean for a number of big topics. However, I want to start with the FBI investigation. The, yeah, in, in air quotes. Yes. Yes. That bullshit FBI investigation. Oh, and we're so close to it actually being applicable to female body inspector. Wow. We're so close because that's what he did. Wow. Right? Holy shit. No. <laughs> no. I don't know how to process that. <laughs> He's a bad man. He should be put, he should be in jail. Whew. All right. Anyway. <laughs> uh, okay. So, wow. Anyway, the <laughs> FBI investigation. So let's start with the FBI investigation. It mm. was limited from the start. Now we know this because lots of people said it. The Washington Post reported on it. Lots of people reported on this. Okay. okay. First of all, and we kind of hit on this last week. The investigation was not a criminal investigation, right? It was only a background check investigation. So what that meant to begin with was they can't interview anyone they want. Okay. Right? They don't have subpoena power, so they couldn't force anyone to be interviewed, right? They couldn't literally subpoena someone and say, hey, you have to come here and now, be interviewed. Now, who is it who has subpoena power again? Who well, is the it? FBI has it if they're doing a criminal investigation. Who Congress. Is it? Oh. Congress does. Is the Senate? 
The Senate, Senate specifically, does. yes. Oh, okay. Oh well. Um, yeah, Chuck Grassley they, could have subpoenaed. They should have. Maybe they should have done an investigation. Weird. Yeah. Weird. 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 Uh, weird, uh, weird, uh, weird how they made it. He said, yeah, she said, and then said yeah, it was only he said, yeah, she said. Yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. Anyway. Uh, Whoops. Tautology. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like they did it on purpose. Uh-huh. Shh. Uh huh. The other thing they couldn't do is they could not collect any evidence unless given to them, and that included employment records for Mark Judge. So you remember. I think we talked about it last week, but part of what happened in the testimony was that Blasey Ford said she was trying to narrow down the time frame of when this happened to her. And she said it was about six to eight weeks before she saw Mark Judge working at a, a local supermarket, which I think was a Safeway, something mm-hmm, like that. Anyway, mm-hmm. So she was like, if you could go find the employment records for when Mark Judge was working at Safeway, that would probably help me. Help you nail down a time frame. Yeah. Right? Because I would know it was six to eight weeks before that. Mm-hmm. Well, the FBI did not do that. Oh. They did not go get employment records from a Mark Judge working at the Safeway. And did they not talk to his uh, roommate or something? They didn't talk to his roommate. They didn't talk to lots of people. We'll get into the people who they didn't talk to. Um, but just, just to hit this point, while they did not get his employment records, which would have proven that he was working there in, at, at that time, he did write about it in his memoir. And in his memoir, he said that he started working there in mid-August. Yeah, of I remember that. In the book where he had a guy that was named very similar to Kavanaugh, right? Bart O'Kavanaugh. Bart O'Kavanaugh. Yeah. But, so he said in his book that he was working at the Safeway mid-August, right? Mm-hmm. So six to eight weeks would have put you early July. And if you recall from Brett Kavanaugh's calendar, there was an entry on July 1st, 1982, that he was going to buy skis, brewskis, mm-hmm. with all of the men that Blasey Ford said were at the party. Oh, wow. Yeah. Where she was assaulted. That all adds up. Yep. Well, we knew he did it. Yep. Well, some of us pretend that they don't know that he did it. Mm-hmm. Some of us really don't think that he did it. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so they weren't allowed to get that evidence. So that was fun. Uh, they, here's, a, here's a real fun thing. They did not even interview Brett Kavanaugh or Blasey Ford. I did hear that. I did hear, but I mean, I, I, I when I heard that, I, I didn't give it much thought because I thought, well, they were interviewed by by the Senate, so yeah. I thought that would be their argument. Why didn't you interview them? Well, the interview's public. We saw it already in five minute intervals. I know. And do you remember when there was literally that part of the interview where the prosecutor said? Hey, this isn't a great way to interview about sexual assault. The great right way is to have a criminologist yeah. have a one on one. Right. No, yeah. I, I do remember that. I mean, I'm just saying there's some criminologists in the FBI that could have had a one-on-one interview with them. Quite. No, I'm sure, I agree. If only they'd been allowed. Mm-hmm. Weird how that works. Uh, now, who did they talk to? So they did talk to Mark Judge. They talked to PJ Smith, Tim Gaudet, and Chris Garrett. Now, those are the people that were alleged to be at the party. Again, also the same people that on his calendar he said he was buying beers with on July 1st, 1982. Uh, they talked to Leland Kaiser, who was Ford's friend, who she said was there. Now, Kaiser said that she didn't remember the event, but she said that she did believe Blasey Ford, that it happened. Yeah. She said that she couldn't personally remember it, mm-hmm. which a lot of people were like, oh, she didn't remember it. And it's like, it was like a party of seven people 36 years ago, and she wasn't sexually assaulted. Why would she remember it? Right. No, no. I, I, right. <laughs> There's really no reason for her to remember it. So anyway, uh, they did talk to the second accuser, Deborah Ramirez. What did she say? Well, so we don't know. 
So that was the other thing. When they when the FBI created this report, the Senate treated it like it was a state secret. There was only one print copy. It was kept in a secure room, and only one senator was allowed in at a time. And they weren't allowed to make copies. And it Yeesh. wasn't made public. Jesus. Yeah. And they're not allowed to discuss what was in the report. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, good, good, good on them, I guess. They won. Yeah. Well, it's almost like what I said last week, that they were just going to use this as cover to vote for him anyway. Yeah. And yeah. ignore all the other problems with him. It's weird how that works. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they don't care. So, now here, here's the thing. Who didn't they interview? They didn't interview his third accuser, Julie Swetnick. They didn't interview any of the corroborating witnesses that Deborah Ramirez put forward to the FBI. They didn't interview Kavanaugh's roommate. They didn't interview any of the people, because remember we talked about it slightly last week, there are people that came forward with text messages saying Brett Kavanaugh was texting him about Ramirez's allegation before she even went public with it. Didn't interview them. Didn't get the text messages. A friend of Blasey Ford, his name was uh, Kegler. I forget what his first name was. I don't think they mentioned it. He released a statement, uh, I think it was Monday, indicating that Blasey Ford told him about the assault in 2016 around the same time in the Brock Turner. You remember the Brock Turner case? Nope. The Stanford swimmer who raped a girl while she was passed out. And um, he mm-hmm. only got six months. I did not know about that. Oh, he, yeah, okay. It was a whole thing. Stanford swimmer. He only got six months jail for raping a girl. And like, he was caught. Like it was like, it was in public. He was outside. Oh wow. She was passed out. He was raping her. Jesus. He, he got caught by like three other guys who beat him up. Wow. And anyway, he only got six months, six months jail sentence. And even that, he only served three months of it. And the reason the judge gave was, well, he had a promising swimming career. Ooh. And that judge was recalled in the elections last year. So anyway, so around the time that was happening, because people were really upset about it, apparently Blasey Ford was talking about it with some friends, including this guy. And he, she told him at the time, that's when she told him about her sexual assault. And mentioned that it was a judge in D.C., which, of course, Brett Kavanaugh is on the federal appeals court in D.C. Yeah. And so he came forward to the FBI, said, hey, I have this evidence, and here's emails of us talking about it from way before this happened. Yeah. Right? Way before any of this came out. Yeah. Uh, they refused to interview him. And his name was mentioned. His name was mentioned. Yeah. Oh, uh, Kavanaugh was in the email? Well, okay. So in 2016, he wasn't. But in 2018... When the shortlist came out, yeah, and Blasey Ford emailed them and said, "Hey, you remember a couple of years ago I told you about my sexual assault and it was a judge in D.C. It's He's on guy. the president's gotcha. shortlist, gotcha. and here's his name." Okay, yeah, FBI refused to interview him. Hmm. So good times, mm-hmm. great interview you got, guys. Guys got one on there. Almost like it was a cover. Well, it's amazing that uh, uh, you know Trump is go well, well, is so quick. For a long time to, to disparage the FBI, right? Yeah. And yes. they're delivering for him right now. Yeah, well, because that's the thing. Ultimately, he controls it. And there's actually a whole lot of discussions going on right now about how this Kavanaugh case proves that the FBI is no longer acting in a nonpartisan way. They're acting to his whim mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. And that has dangerous implications for the Mueller investigation. But that's a whole other topic that we can talk about at some other time. Yeah. Okay. So Kavanaugh's on the court after the sham FBI investigation. So All what right. does this mean? He's going to appeal Roe v. Wade. Well, 
I know you're saying that because no, 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 that's I, the next thing on this list. No, no, no. I would have I mean, I was just And you're a joke. looking at my list. Nope. I was just making a joke. Carry on. Uh actually I want to save that for last because it's a whole big thing. You can see it's my longest thing. So let's move on. Mm-hmm. First. And acting as an executive check. This is one that's gotten a lot of attention. Because in 2009, he wrote an article where he said, quote, We should not burden a sitting president with civil suits, criminal investigations, or criminal prosecutions. The president's job is difficult enough as it is, and the country loses when the president's focus is distracted by the burdens of civil litigation or criminal investigation and possible prosecution. Now, that happens to have some relevance, considering our current president is yeah, under investigation. Yeah. But, but won't he have to recuse himself if, if this comes before the court? No. But he will, though, right? No. no. I bet he does. I bet he does. Are you kidding me? Didn't someone recuse himself in the Clinton case? What Clinton the case? Supreme Court was got involved in, in, in Clinton's thing, right? No. Never, never ever? No. I don't think it ever made it that far. Okay. Hmm. All right. It could have. Could have. But again, now you're talking about the unlevel playing field where liberals care about policy. Kavanaugh's not going to care. He's not going to recuse himself. He should. So he has argued that the constitutional method for holding the president accountable is impeachment. Uh, But to me, it's kind of unclear how you get to impeachment without an investigation. And his argument seems to be that you shouldn't be doing an investigation. So the concern here is that somebody challenges the Mueller investigation or tries to end it, let's say, right? Because this is what happened with Nixon in the 60s. There was a Watergate investigation going on, and there was the Bloody Saturday thing, right? Bloody bloody Tuesday? Uh, Anyway. Oh, yeah, I can't remember the name. Yeah, but it was the day when he fired everybody. He fired, like, the special prosecutor and the attorney general and the deputy attorney general, Mm -hmm. right? And to end the Watergate investigation. And basically... Saturday Night Massacre. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And he was that he was, you know, sued like, hey, you can't do this. They have to have some kind of level of, you know, impartiality and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court said, um, yes, you can investigate the president. Yeah. Right. I remember that. Well, I mean, I was live for it, but I remember that happening. Well, yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, this seems to indicate if the same thing plays out here, he will not agree with that assessment. And the whole thing is actually kind of ironic considering. You know what one of the first things Kavanaugh did as a politician? He, he, was, he was on the Clinton campaign, right? Or the, the Clinton um, investigation. investigation. Yeah. yeah, he was in Ken Starr's... That's right. He, he actually wrote the questions for the interview for Monica Lewinsky that they ended up never giving. Hmm. Do you want to know what some of the questions were? What? How many times did the president ejaculate into your mouth? Oh my god. That was uh... one of the questions. I want to know the answer, though. <laughs> Holy inappropriate. Uh, I know. It, it, Holy inappropriate. I don't know what else I'm going to say. I mean, he sounds like a monster. Yes. <laughs> so anyway, and he was asked about this. Uh, I think Diane Feinstein asked him about this in his hearings, and he did not answer any of the questions on whether he would, what would he would do if the Mueller investigation came before. Yeah, that's pretty standard, though. It's standard, but... Just throwing it out there. Yeah, I, I'm there. Okay. I didn't expect help from Brett Kavanaugh. That's what she was. <laughs> yes. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, at least to my concerns at this point. Yeah. Gun control. 
How will Brett Kavanaugh behave? Now, this became a big thing because I don't know if you remember, but during his original confirmation hearings, one of the parents from the um, Parkland shooting. Remember the Parkland shooting in, oh, in yes, Florida? Yes, yeah. Right. yeah. One of the parents uh, approached him at his hearing and when he was leaving and tried to shake his hand. And Kavanaugh looked at him and refused to shake his hand and just buttoned his jacket and turned to walk away from him. This was at the hearing, right? Yeah. Not, not the hearing we covered, but his, his confirmation hearings a few, several weeks ago. Yeah, and I remember seeing that video, and I, yeah. I gave him a lot of credit there. I remember, I don't know if you remember me talking about it, but no. I, I, I just thought, well, imagine you were getting an interview by Congress to be on the Supreme Court. Right. It is conceivable. There, there are so many cameras in that room. It's conceivable that he legitimately did not hear or see that person. Well, no, he definitely saw him. He looked right at him. Yeah, I'm saying, I'm, I, I believe away. it's quite possible he looked right at that person and didn't see them. Mm. I, really, I, can, I can see myself doing it. Like, I could be so stressed out and so caught up in what I was going to say yeah. that I did. I'm, I, I, was, I, I, was, I mean, I'm not, I'm not making a big deal out of it. I was just saying that's how this came up originally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, carry on. Nonetheless. However, how does he stand on gun control? Not good, man. No bueno. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. What what it gave you the first clue? Yeah, give me let me know when we're getting to the good news part of the Kavanaugh podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, there is. Nah, any. it's what I figured. Okay, <laughs> so he wrote a dissent opinion in 2011 that upheld a ban. So the opinion, the court in D.C. because he's on the federal appeals court in D.C. Mm-hmm. and the court held that D.C. could have an assault style weapon, assault style weapons ban. Mm-hmm. And DC passed a law banning assault style weapons. The court upheld it. However, he wrote the dissent, so he didn't agree with it. And his argument at the time was that any gun control not rooted in, quote, tradition is unconstitutional and equated a ban on certain types of weapons to a ban on certain types of speech. Clever. Clever. Yes. Clever. He, and now, a UCLA law professor uh, was uh, Adam Winkler. Uh, he was quoted as saying, quote, Kavanaugh believes in a very rigorous Second Amendment right to bear arms, and he thinks there is little room for constitutionally permissible gun control. Not good. Well, now we know. Now we know it's a numbers game, so we'll just have to stock up. On guns or on judges? Yes, we'll have to. Yes, on guns. On guns? <laughs> on guns. We'll just have to join the party. You know, there was actually a spike in, in liberals buying guns after Trump was... No kidding. Is the first time that because that happens when Democrats are elected president. Oh There's yeah, a spike in conservatives. Yeah, I heard there was a, it went crazy when Obama. Oh yeah, yeah. Obama years were great for gun companies. I bet there's a lots of guns, uh, but that typically hasn't been true. Vice versa, like liberals tend not to buy mm-hmm. guns when Republican right. liberals t- just tend not to buy guns as right. much, right? But that actually happened after Trump was elected. So fun, fun times. So we're we're heading for good places. Yeah, just want to let you know. Um. Anyway, and in fact, I want to point out that this whole thing about tradition, uh, gun control or laws rooted in tradition, yeah, that comes up a lot. It's going to be important. Just a little bit of foreshadowing. Okay. I'm titillated. Titillated. Mm-hmm. What a word. Mm-hmm. Money and politics. Now, this is an issue that's near and dear to my heart. It doesn't get a lot of talk outside of progressive circles. But money and politics is a big problem. And it's been an even bigger problem since the Citizens United decision 
in 2010. Right. Which, what was it? Is Bernie Sanders said that he wouldn't, that would be the litmus test for yes. any Supreme Court nominee? Anybody he, not, anybody he nominated would have to agree right. to overturn it. So give us a quick rundown on what Citizens United is, just briefly. Uh, briefly, Citizens United was, um, so there used to be a rule. Corporations are people, my friends. Well, that was kind of what came out of it. But there used to be a rule that said that um, uh, like political groups that advocate for politicians couldn't run ads, couldn't spend money on ads within 30 days of an election if you mentioned a politician's name. Mm-hmm. So they had to just mention a topic. Yeah. And Citizens United was a group that did it, and they were trying to run ads about Hillary Clinton back in 2008. And anyway, so, um, so they fought it, and essentially what the Supreme Court ruled in Citizens United was that you couldn't restrict that kind of speech because it, well, you, you couldn't restrict corporations' right to give money and run these kinds of ads. Because it was restricting speech. Because corporations have the same speech rights as people. Corporations are people, and money is speech. Yep. That was the gist of Citizens United. That's how I understand it. And that opened the floodgate for unlimited amounts of unaccounted money Mm -hmm. being spent to support politicians and all that stuff. So, not good. Not good. Um... What's, so and his and how does he feel about it? How do you think he feels about it? Probably the bad way. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, in a case uh, in 2009, so one year before Citizens United, Kavanaugh ruled that the group Emily's List, which to be fair is actually a liberal group, but Emily's List could raise unlimited funds through a nonprofit wing dedicated to issue advocacy. And so there is a um, an advocate, progressive advocate. Shirag uh, Baines, he says, quote, that opinion to me shows that even before Citizens United, Kavanaugh had bought into the idea that donors have the right to make limitless expenditures based on the out-of-touch idea that if spending isn't officially coordinated with a candidate, it can never be corrupting. So Kavanaugh tends to hold the idea, and you'll see this come up in a couple of other places, actually, the next topic too, that corporations are people. Any amount of money they spend is equivalent to speech, and therefore... There's nothing you can do about it. All right. So he's also bad on Citizens United. Bad on Citizens United, bad on money on politics. Yikes. Good time. Net neutrality. How do you think he feels on net neutrality? I bet he doesn't like it none. Yep. So he wrote it. So in 2015, the FCC instated the new net neutrality rules, right? Mm-hmm. And the court, again, that he's a part of, uh, ruled that those FCC rules were valid because they had been challenged in court. He wrote the dissent, as always. He argued that, one, the FCC didn't have the authority to make the rules under the Telecommunications Act, and two, the rules amounted to a restriction on internet service providers' freedom of speech. So, just like in Money in Politics, corporations have freedom of speech. I hate hate to be this person. There's, there's, I mean, it's whatever we want to say about net neutrality. I mean, we get to decide this. This is this, this, yeah, debate about net neutrality is, I mean, it's whatever we all decide we want it to be. So, I mean, if we, what, what? What do you mean by that? I mean by like, I think that, I think that his position is really stupid, but I don't know that I can like make an ethical claim against it. 
Okay, I can make an ethical claim about it, but we can have I'm a long a, discussion about yeah, that some yeah, other time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just seems to me like it's whatever rule that makes the most sense. I don't think his rule makes the most sense. I think we should just have net neutrality. I think it would be yes, good, but the point be better here, for everyone. But the point here is that he thinks it's literally unconstitutional to have net neutrality. Oh. Well, that's, that's what he's saying. He says net neutrality rules wrong. amount to a restriction on ISP's freedom of speech as editorial gatekeepers. Well, that's that was a, from that, his, that, his that's, opinion. That's stupid. I agree. So, therefore, if we were to ever, theoretically, have a democratic president again, mm-hmm. hypothetically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, if we were to ever hypothetically have a democratic president that created a new FCC and tried to reinstate net neutrality rules, uh, in fact, if that made it to the Supreme Court in a challenge... He would rule it unconstitutional, and we could never have net neutrality rules again because that without would be, a constitutional that, that, amendment. That would be the law, yeah. Without a constitutional amendment. I hear you. And that could even happen before then, because California just passed a new net neutrality law, and that is already being challenged. The FCC is suing California over that. Because the FCC, when they got rid of the national net neutrality law, they also did that cool thing where they said no state could pass their own net neutrality laws. Because states' rights. Have you heard of states' rights? I've heard I hear of, conservatives I've, like I, it. It's I've weird. heard, uh, yeah, they, they're real into it. Yeah. Except when it comes to net neutrality. There was weird. a war fought over it. Was it? Yeah. I believe that's called the lost cause, sir. <laughs> Wasn't really fought over states' rights. All right, rights. so what else is he bad about? So he's also... Wait, how do you think he feels about NSA surveillance program? Uh, I bet he thinks we, he, they can look at anyone they want all the <laughs> yep. time. So he wrote a concurring opinion this time Mm -hmm. because he wasn't the only one that thought that NSA wireless surveillance tapping is good. Okay. So he wrote a concurring opinion in 2015 that allowed the NSA wiretap surveillance to continue. He argued that collecting data from a third party does not constitute a search of the citizen. So if he collect, so if the, if the NSA collects your data from, or you have, you have spectrum, right? Or charting. I have spectrum. Spectrum. If the NSA collects data from Spectrum, that does not constitute a search of your data. Because they're getting it from Spectrum, not you. Oh. That's, his, that's his opinion. That's ridiculous. And on top of that, he said... Also, Spectrum owns Charter now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, same thing. Even on top of that, he says, even if it was an unconstitutional search of the citizen, yeah. in any case, critical national security need outweighs the impact on privacy occasioned by the program. So even if it did violate the Fourth Amendment, I mean, national security, guys. It's a good thing we're going to have all these guns. Yeah. <laughs> to overthrow that tyrannical government. Yes. Yeah. That'll happen. Uh, okay. This one actually doesn't get talked about as much, uh, but I think it's actually kind of important, which is health care. I thought we did this with the Supreme Court already. We have, but there are more challenges. Ah. And in, and in fact, um, so right now... So one of the things the Republicans did, because the Republicans couldn't repeal the health care. They couldn't repeal, repeal the Affordable Care Act, right? So what they did is in their tax bill, they used that opportunity. So there was a thing in the, in the Affordable Care Act called the individual mandate. Right. And that was essentially the tax penalty that said, if you don't carry insurance, you have to pay a tax penalty. Yeah. Right? And that was a way to force you to have insurance. Okay. Now... What the Republicans did is they tried to repeal the overall health care bill. They couldn't do that. So then the thing is, and we, if you get into the whole health care policy, you understand that the individual mandate is very important for making the whole bill work. It's, it, is a, it was a three legs of a stool strategy. Gotcha. And the individual mandate was the third leg. 
that made it work. Mm -hmm. And so if you kill the individual mandate, you make the Affordable Care Act fall apart. That's the idea. So then they tried repealing the um, individual. Actually, when McCain gave his famous thumbs down, that's what they were voting on. That was called the skinny repeal. And it only repealed the individual mandate. Oh, right. Yes, I do remember that. But it didn't work because he gave the thumbs down. So what Republicans did a year later, which John McCain voted for because he's, you know, good guy, uh, was they kept the individual mandate there, didn't repeal it, but they made the tax penalty zero. Oh, that's clever. So it's literally useless. Yeah. There's no penalty anymore. He he voted for that? He voted for that. He voted for that, but not to repeal it. Yep. That doesn't make any sense. Because he didn't actually care about the policy. He was upset at the procedure. He was Uh, upset that they didn't deliberate the healthcare repeal bill properly. Ah. Just kind of like Jeff Flake was like, I'm upset at the procedure. I want an FBI investigation, and I don't really care if the FBI investigation is real. Gotcha. Same kind of thing. Those Arizona senators. Hmm. So anyway, so what's happened since then, so they took the individual mandate, they made the tax penalty zero. And what's happened now is that there are actually... They're making it impossible for me to like any Republican. God. (laughs) It's funny how that works, right? So what's happening now as a result of that is several states, including Texas, are leading uh, lawsuits. They've now sued in federal court saying, hey, because this individual mandate is now zero dollars it's unenforceable and that makes this part of the law irrelevant essentially and they're fighting on constitutional grounds saying if this part of the law is unenforceable then the entire law must be thrown out the entire affordable care act must be thrown out so the subsidies that go with it the where did he write this no he didn't write this oh texas is suing on, on those grounds gotcha okay so where he comes into it is uh, he wrote in a 2012 case on the individual mandate's constitutionality. Brett Kavanaugh wrote that, quote, the president may decline to enforce a statute that regulates private individuals when the president deems the statute unconstitutional. So what does that mean? What that means is, now that they have reduced this individual mandate penalty to zero, and the president can decide not to enforce it, Yeah. That makes the Affordable Care Act essentially fall apart. And then, so essentially what that means is he's saying, like, no, you can not enforce this one part of the law, and that will make the rest of this law invalid. Now, the interesting thing about this is, from a constitutional standpoint, this opinion doesn't really seem to make sense, because there's a part of the Constitution called the Take Care Clause. Yeah. And it says, quote, uh, the president has a duty to, quote, take care that the laws be faithfully executed. Yes. So if so he did Congress, that deliberately, he'd be in violation of that. Right. So okay. Congress writes a law, and the law right now says, hey, there's an individual mandate, right? Or the law says, for example, you have to, insurance companies have to cover pre-existing conditions. Right. They can't deny coverage based on pre-existing conditions. He can just say, no, I'm not going to do that. Now, that would seem to be violate the Constitution, but according to Kavanaugh... It doesn't. It doesn't. Mm. The president may decline to enforce a statute that regulates private individuals, and the president deems the statute unconstitutional. Jesus Christ. So there are already court cases coming up saying that the Affordable Care Act is now unconstitutional okay, because part okay, of it's let's, unenforceable. Let's, let's, add some, let's add some perspective before, okay. before we go crazy. I feel like I'm so depressed. This is... Ugh. Okay. <laughs> the other Supreme Court justices that are conservative. Yes. Are they 
just conservative like normal people or are they crazy like Kavanaugh? Uh, they're generally pretty far right at this point. But like, are they this far right? Gorsuch is probably about the same. So Gorsuch, on, based on his previous judicial record, was rated as more conservative than Scalia. Who was the most conservative member of the judiciary uh, before he died. Well, yeah. Uh, Kennedy was the swing vote. Kavanaugh is replacing Kennedy. Mm. Kennedy, Kavanaugh is far more conservative than Kennedy. Obviously. And Kennedy was a swing vote. So the other two, Alito, Clarence Thomas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're all, they're Far very right. conservative. They've already, so these things, like when the they've Affordable already, Care they've Act. They've already judged on these issues. Yes, when the Affordable Care Act right, was yeah. judged, you know, constitutional before, it was five to four. Everybody stop bringing cases to the Supreme Court, please. <laughs> right now. Just, just hold, please, just hold it. Just hold, just hold it on, it. baby. No, and we'll get into this with abortion. They've been right. specifically bringing these cases up. Let's do it. Let's because they know ab- it's going to happen. Let's talk about abortion. No, I got one more. You got one more? I got one more. Hit me. Regulatory state. Now we're going to get into some deep technocratic shit here. Oh, good. <laughs> Nothing like abortion. Abortion will be even more. So have you heard of the Chevron Doctrine? No. So the Chevron Doctrine is a rule that the court has traditionally applied to executive regulations. And what the Chevron Doctrine essentially says is, Congress is not made up of experts, right? In fact, as of right now, approximately 80% of Congress are uh, lawyers. Yeah. So not scientists, not accountants. We know what lawyers is. Go ahead. So, therefore, we have various executive agencies, like the EPA, for example. Mm -hmm. And because Congress, there's not scientists, they're not climatologists, whatever, they can't write, they shouldn't be expected to write laws that get into the minutia of how to regulate greenhouse gases, let's say, or aerosols, or or hydrochlorofarb. EPA stuff. Hydrofluorocarbons. Yeah. Yes. However, the EPA... Hydrochlorofluorocarbons. Yes. However, the EPA does have a bunch of those people. Yeah. They have a bunch of scientists. Well, they did. So actually, another thing. We've gotten rid of the scientist panel at the EPA. Okay, so the EPA presumably has a bunch of scientists. But theoretically, Uh the EPA should have a bunch of scientists, right? And they, therefore, so Congress says, for example, we wrote the Clean Air Act. We want you to regulate to make sure the air is clean. Okay? Right. And so do however you see fit. Okay. And so the EPA goes, okay. And this, this was a real case that happened uh, in 2012. The EPA says, okay, well, climate change is going to be an effect on the air quality. Right. Right. And therefore, uh, climate change is affected by greenhouse gases. So therefore we have the ability to regulate greenhouse gases. Right. Right. The Supreme Court, five to four, agreed with them in 2012. However, uh, Judge Kavanaugh, would you believe he dissented against that? Yeah, I'd believe it. (laughs) Yes. He dissented and said that, no, it needed to be left to Congress if you wanted to regulate greenhouse gases. So essentially that the EPA doesn't have the regulatory approval to do the things that it is designed to do. That we should instead let Congress write specific minutia law. So, and the EPA doesn't, there's no head of the EPA, correct? Yeah, there is. Remember uh, it was Scott Pruitt? 
Oh. And then now he's gone, and that's some other guy. Oh, okay. For some reason, for reason I thought it was just never filled or something. No. no. Oh, okay. Well, yay. Yes. <laughs> so he's not gonna be not gonna be good on regulatory. Mm. How? So is it real? I guess. I, I guess. I. I miss. I misunderstood how often the same kinds of cases get brought up to the Supreme Court. A lot these days. Is it not just like we did this already? It never happens. Like just, no, because we... they try to attack them from different ways. They try to attack them under different statutes, or yeah, or they just do the exact same thing. And like, what happens a lot is, and like, so we'll get into this with abortion. Um, what happens is they'll just they'll pass a new law that tries to ban abortion in a different way, right? And then, so courts will say, no, you can't do that because it's clearly a violation of Roe v. Wade. And then they'll appeal that and they just keep appealing it. And the Supreme Court can either decide, no, I'm not going to do this. And so therefore the lower court standing that it violates Roe v. Wade is fine. Um, Or they get to rehear it and they can totally go back on their own. In fact, this is a big thing. So yes. So now, so now we're there. We're going to talk about the big one. Mm -hmm. Talk about abortion. And this is a big one for a couple of reasons. Number one, it was theoretically the crux of his nomination. It was what Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski, who are the two Republican senators who ostensibly are pro-choice, uh, their vote hinged on whether or not he would overturn Roe v. Wade. And um, so it was a big deal. And he's also been quite cagey about how he feels uh, about Roe v. Wade. So he has said that Roe v. Wade and KCV Planned Parenthood are settled law and, quote, settled law upon settled law. Now, what this means is that what he's saying is, so there's a, um, there is a judicial tend toward precedent. Yeah. It's called stare decisis. Right. I didn't know it was called that, but I did know there was a tendency towards precedent. Yes. So it's like, hey, we've ruled on this before, so unless we have a good reason to, we're not going to overturn precedent. Yeah. And so what he's saying is, hey, settled law, settled law. Whatever I think about it personally doesn't matter. The court has ruled multiple times that abortion is legal, constitutionally protected. Yeah. And it's settled law. Yep. Settled law. However... Leaked emails from Kavanaugh's time in the Bush White House in 2003 show him saying that the Supreme Court can always reverse itself on settled law. He said, quote, I am not sure that all legal scholars refer to Roe as the settled law of the land at the Supreme Court level, since the court can always overrule its precedent. Yeah, so, but so that is true. It I, is true. Yeah. But every time he's been asked, of, would you overturn Roe v. Wade? He said, it's settled law. I, I he's saying like, no, I'm not going to overturn it because it's settled law. Oh yeah, as as but as in as private, be, in private, he doesn't want to be drawn and quartered in the street. Exactly. Yeah. Well, but in private, he's saying, I mean, you can always overturn settled law. Yeah, I know. Yeah, no, but he's not wrong either. It sucks. I'm there. I, I just yes. I. Well, we're not trying to have a debate here. No, I know. I just I wish it weren't true. But I it, wish it weren't true. But as well. it is. But it. But I feel like we need to. No, no, no. It needs to be educational. We need to get these things right. Out right. No, I hear you. Because I did hear him say that. I mean, and that is how he answered the question, which is misleading. Because mm-hmm. he, I, but I mean, has any Supreme Court justice ever just like said, I will under no circumstances repeal this thing? 
Uh, well, maybe. I guess but either way, well, that's well, not the point that I'm trying to make here. RBG did actually right, about right. Roe v. Wade. But either way, that's not the point that I'm trying to make here. I'm mm-hmm. not having, trying to have a discussion about what he said in his hearings. Yeah. I'm trying to get at what he's probably going to do. Right. Right. right? right. So the first part of this, this is not the end of this. First part gotcha. of this is, yeah, he's already, he, he believes that the Supreme Court can overturn itself on settled law. So he, he believes that they, they could overrule its precedent. Okay. Yeah. Which... Yes, of course they can. And they've done multiple times. They did it when they said gay marriage was legal. Yeah. Right? They did it in Brown v. Board of Education when they said, oh, it turns out segregation also not great, right? So he, so we know that he thinks he can, we, he, he can right. overturn a thing if he wants. So his, so his thing that he's always said, which is a settled law, doesn't really mean anything. Right. He can overturn it if he believes but that it should be overturned. Do we think he will? So his track record isn't great. Oh. As recently as 2017... He has ruled against the right to an abortion. Actually, I'm going to skip this. We're going to come back to this. I'm going to go into to another part here. So, would he overturn it? Would he see a good reason to overturn the precedent? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, in his hearings this year, in his confirmation hearings, he told Ted Cruz that in regards to unenumerated rights, now you know unenumerated rights? Just so we're clear. I know what not enumerated means. But carry it, but explain it to me. Okay. So an enumerated right is something that's specifically listed in the Constitution. Like oh, that makes sense. Freedom from yeah, search yep. seizure, blah, yep. blah, blah. Yep. Right. Yep. I got it. An unenumerated right is a right that is created from the Constitution judicially based on inference from what's written. Gotcha. So for example, Roe v. Wade, the right to an abortion, obviously nowhere in the Constitution says that there's a right to an abortion. Right. So where did we get the constitutional right to abortion? And where Roe v. Wade decided was it was... They created this unenumerated right from the right to privacy, which they said the Fourth Amendment guarantees you the right against illegal search seizure. It guarantees you the right to privacy. Right. Okay. And privacy extends to medical procedures. And in the case of an abortion, it's a medical procedure. We have privacy laws for other medical procedures, right? That yeah. we don't want the government just knowing all about your stuff. Yeah. Okay. And therefore... An abortion is a private medical procedure, so you can't ban it because you have a right to privacy. Okay. I don't so, quite understand, but I, I, I hear it. Uh, I mean, that's where it came from. So, so therefore, abortion is considered an unenumerated right. For a more obvious example, okay, uh, gay marriage. So right. in 2015, the Supreme Court ruled that it was unconstitutional to ban gay marriage. And that was an unenumerated right created from the 14th Amendment. So the 14th Amendment has the due process clause, which says that everyone is entitled to equal treatment under the law. Right. And so what the court said was, if heterosexual couples, same-sex couples, or, you know, opposite-sex couples are allowed to marry anyone they want, then you can't deny the equal treatment of that law to same-sex couples. Therefore, you can't ban gay marriage. So you, so, so because the law has given you the right to get married if you're a heterosexual couple... Mm-hmm. And because of the due ex- process clause, it has to extend to to, to exactly. Yeah, so yeah, it yeah. became an unenumerated right born I mean, out of the Fourteenth Amendment. I'm solid on unenumerated rights. Okay, so in his hearings this year, Ted Cruz said that in regards to unenumerated rights, the Glucksberg test is the test the Supreme Court has settled on as a proper test. Now, just to be clear, the Glucksberg test refers to a case. I think it was in the late '90s. It was Washington v. Glucksburg. Mm-hmm. Essentially, the output, of, the outcome of that was the majority opinion in that said that, um, the essentially that 
the government can create, the law can only create unenumerated rights when they have a strong history and tradition in the country, right? So they can't create an unenumerated right that doesn't have a, a strong tradition okay. in the social fabric, mm-hmm. right? And the idea behind that was, theoretically, to... Uh, how to put this? Was theoretically to keep the court, to keep the Supreme Court from being a social policymaker, right? Yeah, that makes sense. So it was to say, like, hey, social issues that aren't covered by, by enumerated rights in the Constitution should be left to lawmakers. And we don't want the court making social policy decisions. Okay. Now, that's a little bit of bullshit because it makes the wrong assumption that inaction is the same as being neutral, which is not the case. Right. right. If you were to not decide that gay people don't have a right to no, no, gay no, marriage I, because I, gay marriage has always been banned, quite, quite. then you're making a decision that gay people can't get married in certain places in the United That's States. That's how I feel about pacifism. Yeah. 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 So, so he says that the Glucksberg test should be applied. Okay. Right? And that means if I'm going to give you an unenumerated right, such as abortion, it has to have strong footing in tradition of the country. So everybody go out and get an abortion so that we make it sure that it's like a strong, every year, same time, we'll have an abortion day, yeah. and then he can't take it away from us. Well, no, because it doesn't matter. Oh. Because cause here's the thing. It's been legal. It's been a constitutional right since 1970. For most people in this country that are alive right now, it's been the constitutional right their entire life. Yes, yes. So the question is, so theoretically, even by his own test, it should pass the Glucksberg test, right? Right. Because it may not have been in 1973, but it certainly is now, certainly in the tradition. However, in 2017 speech to a conservative group says, even a, he said, quote, even a first-year law student could tell you that the Glucksberg's approach to unenumerated rights was not consistent with the approach to the abortion cases, such as Roe v. Wade in 1973, as well as the 1992 decision affirming Roe, known as Planned Parenthood v. Casey. And so that's important, because you could make an argument that in 1973 in Roe v. Wade, when they created the unenumerated right to abortion, it was not in longstanding tradition of the country. Right. Because abortion had typically been banned. I'm following. Right. But he's saying even in 1992, when it was upheld by another challenge, it still didn't pass the Glucksberg test. Why is that? Because he doesn't believe that abortion is in the tradition of the country. Oh, well, it and is. even 20 years, it had been constitutional for 20 years. He still did not believe okay. yeah, it was in the tradition sounds, of the country. Th- th- thanks, thanks, Ted. <laughs> well, this was Kavanaugh. Oh. This is Kavanaugh saying that. Oh, he told Ted Cruz that. No, no, no. He told Ted Cruz that the Glucksberg test was how you, how you should treat unenumerated rights, but he such as abortion. But he doesn't think that... The- he said privately, not privately, he said in a speech to a conservative group in 2017 that Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey aren't consistent with the Glucksberg test. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm there now. Which indicates that he doesn't believe that there should be an, an unenumerated right to an abortion. So, so now we've said, okay, he believes that we can overturn precedent such as Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey. And we know that as of last year, he said that Planned Parenthood, he said in order to overturn it, it would have to use the Glucksberg test. That's what he said to Ted Cruz this year. Mm. And we know as of last year, he says Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood v. Casey, which upheld the right to an abortion, does not pass the Glucksberg test. So he thinks it can be overturned. 
and he thinks it should be overturned by his own test. Because, because it doesn't, yeah. Yes. Okay. Goodbye, abortion. Yep. So that's fun. Yeah, that's... that's and, and, and in so fact, if you were wondering how <laughs> Kavanaugh is going to vote... Yes. Now, to be clear, here's another thing that could happen. That he doesn't even vote to overturn Roe v. Wade. This is another thing that could totally happen. And in fact, I think is even more likely to happen, to be honest. Which is, not that you outright, again, reject it and say, hey, Roe v. Wade is overturned because it's not in keeping with traditions. And by the way, I said this earlier, this has come up again. You notice a trend where he talks about the traditions. Yeah. So he said the same thing no, with no, gun no, control. I have, I have, yes. It's a very typical small C conservative opinion to take, don't you think? Mm-hmm. I mean, here's the thing. Here's, this is the thing. When you when nominate a guy like this, how could you ever pass a new law? How could you ever pass a new social oh, law? that's a good point. That's a really good point. Because it would always be yeah, not, not in keeping tradition. with the tradition. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, and by his things, like, oh, right. you don't have a right to it. Even if you pass a new law, you don't have a right to it. Because it's not in the tradition of the country. I mean, this is what happens. This is how conservative he is. It's not even about textual reading of the it's, Constitution. It's not conservatism. It's static. Well, no. <laughs> but that is conservatism, right? I know. It's, I know. it's status uh, yes, quo. Yes, yes. But it's, it's not conservatism from a constitutional standpoint. It's social conservatism, mm-hmm. which is not necessarily the same thing. Gotcha. No, and I know, that's what I know they what did. They put a, cer- a social conservative on the Supreme Court, not a constitutional conservative. Mm-hmm. You like, see what I'm saying? I, would you, what would you have called Scalia? Well, he was both. Okay, yeah. That's what I thought. All right. Yeah, I mean, he was a little more because he had some times where you go like, "Oh, he made a good point there," mm-hmm. but he was also still deeply socially conservative as well. Mm-hmm. So, so, but anyway, so he Roe v. Wade, he could totally overturn it. We have all the evidence that says he could overturn it if there's a challenge to it. But even if he doesn't, there are things that you can do because I've mentioned it a couple times. You know, what the 1992 Planned Parenthood v. Casey. Do you know what that was? I, from the name, I can imagine, but no, I don't know the details. So it was a challenge at a time, a law that was placing significant restrictions on getting an abortion. Okay. And what the Supreme Court ruled in Planned Parenthood v. Casey was that because you have a constitutional right to an abortion, that there are restrictions that to every right, right? There's a restriction to freedom of speech. You can't defame people. You can't threaten people, things like that. There's a limit to gun ownership. All this stuff, right? Even Scalia said the Second Amendment doesn't guarantee you the right to own any gun for any reason in any place, mm-hmm. right? Even Scalia said that, okay? So every right has limits, okay? And so what they said in Planned Parenthood v. Casey is that, yes, there's a constitutional right to an abortion, but that has limits. However, because it's a right, what they said is you cannot pass any regulations that place an undue burden on getting the, the abortion, okay? I, I remember hearing that phrase, too. Right. undue burden. Yeah. Undue burden. Yeah. Well, because it's come up re- repeatedly. Because since 2010, since Republicans swept into office in 2010, mm-hmm. there have been more abortion restrictions passed than in all the time since Roe v. Wade. Yeah, I, I think it. combined. I believe it. So there's been an unprecedented number of restrictions on abortions that have come through. So lots of cases come through and the Supreme Court has had to say... Yes, this constitutes an undue burden. You have no reason to place this regulation, right? And so what could happen, though, is what the court has been upholding is like things like, like there was, for example, a law in Texas, I think it was, 
that said that you had to have your abortion facilities had to have eight foot wide hallways. Right. That's the one that I think about when I think about these. Yeah. yeah. And of course, what that did was immediately meant, okay, we're not restricting the right to abortion, but every abortion facility in the state, none of them have eight foot wide hallways, so they all have to close. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, we didn't ban it, but we made it impossible for you to get one. Mm-hmm. Right. Because nobody offers it. Nobody can yeah, meet no, no, our no, no, restrictions. I'm, I'm there. Okay. So, and what the court said was, no, that was an undue burden. You have no reason to require an abortion facility to have eight foot wide hallways. The reason that hospitals have it is because you have two gurneys going back side, you know, side to side. Right. But, this is but like we don't a- have gurneys going back and forth yeah. in, in abortion facilities, right? So you don't need this. But that's totally up to whatever the court decides is an undue burden. Yes. So what does Kavanaugh, and again, that was a five to four decision. So what does, with Kennedy being the swing vote, now Kennedy has been replaced by Kavanaugh. Yes. So what does, does Kavanaugh think those things would be undue? Of course not. Of course not. So last year, there was a 17-year-old woman from Central America. She crossed the border unauthorized and attempted to get an abortion. But the Trump administration blocked it, even though a Texas court found that she had met all the state requirements to qualify for the procedure. Now, note, I'm pretty sure she had been raped and the country she was from did not, like, abortions were illegal. It's kind of hard to say because she was a minor and so, like, her name was redacted. Yeah. She was only called Jane Doe and stuff like that. But um, I do know that wherever she was from, abortions were illegal. She came to the United States to get an abortion, cross the border illegally to get an abortion, okay? And a Texas court found that she had met all the state requirements to qualify for the procedure. And therefore, the Trump administration had to allow her to get an abortion, right? Mm -hmm. Kavanaugh wrote the dissenting opinion that would have delayed her ability to get the abortion. He argued that delays implemented by the government did not constitute an undue burden. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's... <laughs> yep. So, I mean, I think that's the other way that he's going to do this. Is He can say, I'm not going to overturn Roe v. Wade, but we're going to say anything is not an undue... Because at what point does it go... So, for example, there was a bill introduced in Iowa, I want to say, uh, which was a heartbeat bill, which was as soon as you detect a fetal heartbeat, you can't have an abortion. Well, you get a fetal heartbeat at six weeks. A lot of women don't even know they're pregnant until five. Right. And I know a lot. But yeah. Yeah. And then if you figure the time it takes to get an appointment, a lot of these states also have 24 to 72 hour wait periods before you can get an abortion. That means it's almost impossible for you to be able to get an abortion. Would he consider that an undue burden? No. Unlikely. Unlikely. (laughs) Meaning, okay, technically legal, but... There's no way for you to legitimately be able to get it. Mm. Right. And this is already happening, by the way. It's effectively banned in Kentucky. Kentucky only has one abortion facility right now in the entire state. I didn't know that. Yeah. I think Texas only has two. And the one in Kentucky is in, it's in Louisville. And it's on the verge of closing. Because they tried to pass another trap law, which is a targeted regulation of abortion providers. And those are these laws that are like, you have to have eight foot wide hallways. All right. So in, so in 10 years... So. We're going to live in a, uh, be no food. There's going to be no coast. Everybody's going to have guns. No access to abortion. No access to abortion. No health care. No health care. No net neutrality. And the government will be watching it happening. Yeah. Okay. I dig it. <laughs> Welcome. Yes. And, and I think this is, this is the point I want to get across. I think people have underestimated. You know, there was a study that came out recently. It was a poll. That showed that Americans in general, both liberal and conservative, believe that the Supreme Court is more liberal than it actually is. 
Well, I did. I certainly did. And it's not. I certainly did. This has made it painfully clear to me. It's not, and it just got more conservative. All of the things that... So the Supreme Court had been passing a lot of conservative stuff, and like Citizens United. Right. Repeal of certain parts of the Voting Rights Act that have meant that you have all these voter ID laws now disenfranchising people. Like there was one that just got upheld by the Supreme Court today that Kavanaugh didn't even vote in. It was four to four, so the Supreme Court held the lower court's opinion, which the lower court said in North Dakota that you can allow a law that uh, had a residential requires you to have a residential street address on your photo ID in order to be able to qualify to vote. But guess who doesn't have residential street address? Native Americans in the state of North Dakota, because in rural areas, the U.S. Postal Service doesn't give them a street address on their reservations. They only give them post office boxes. And guess who else probably also doesn't have street addresses? College students. Guess who votes for Democrats in North Dakota? College students and Native Americans. Mm -hmm. And the Supreme Court didn't overturn it, didn't confirm it, but because Kavanaugh recused himself because he just joined and they were, you know, ruling on it, uh, he recused himself. So four to four, it held the lower court's ruling that the law could go through, right? And now, assume he probably would have gone with it. So, so these are things that were already happening when you had Anthony Kennedy as the, the swing, swing vote. vote. Yeah. And he's gone now, replaced with Brett Kavanaugh. It's going to be fun. I'm stoked. You stoked? No. <laughs> I'm really worried. And the I, thing is, there's I, nothing you can do. The, yeah, I'm, I'm worried. Well, we'll just, everybody vote. Everybody vote. But even then, it's not going to matter because, okay, the next person to be replaced is going to be probably RBG. So even if we can, even if we get a Democrat, even if she makes it to 2021 and we get a Democrat in there, you're just going to be replacing one liberal there's with no another way liberal. To, to, it's still going to be five There's no way to get rid of one of them. Well, okay. Now you're getting into a really interesting discussion, which I want to do a whole episode about. We'll do time, a, but we'll, yeah, there well, are let's pad it. Let's pad There's it between nothing, something else. Exactly. I, I need a break. Exactly. I need a break from Kavanaugh. There's nothing. I in, need a break. Kavanaugh. Well, it wouldn't be about Kavanaugh, but it would be about the Supreme Court. But yeah, it would be heady. There, but yeah, there's nothing in the Constitution that says you need nine Supreme Court justices. We we haven't traditionally had nine. Oh, we've had seven. We've had five. Oh, good. You could have eleven. You could have twenty-five if you wanted. You, have you one could have twenty-two. <laughs> You could have one. I mean, there's nothing in the Constitution that says how many justices there need to be. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Well. So there's a whole lot of discussions about how Democrats should do court packing. In fact, there, anyway, it's a whole big thing we can talk about at some point. Yeah, be all about it. But here's the thing. In order to do that, you require an act of Congress. So Democrats would have to take not only the White House so they could appoint someone, they would have to get majority in the House and a 60-vote majority in the Senate. Good. Let's do it. To be able to pass laws and say, we need more justices. Mm-hmm. I'm down. Yeah. So get out and vote. Get out and vote. Listen to Taylor Swift. Yeah. And hope that you can overcome gerrymandering and the geographic advantage of the Senate. We will. We will. Don't, will we? don't despair. Will we? We will. You know what we should do? You know what you really need to do? Get out and vote. Advocate for statehood for Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. <laughs> yeah. No, really? No, I hear you. That would give you four more Democratic senators mm-hmm. to help level the playing field. I mean, Democrats have gotten, Democratic senators have gotten the majority of the vote in the last two elections and don't have, have never gotten a majority. Six million more votes in 2016 than Republican senators and lost 52 to 48. There's a deep geographic advantage for Republicans in the Senate. So if you want to balance that, give D.C. and Puerto Rico. And not, by the way, not just for that, but because D.C. and Puerto Rico deserve statehood. 
they literally can't control their own laws. Right. They don't have they don't have representation they don't have, in Congress. They don't have voting representation in Congress. They pay taxes. They have citizenship. They deserve it anyway. Yeah. But also to help level the playing field on senators would be nice. So Well that I hope everyone's utterly depressed. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, I think it's important news. And I know it, it gets is wonkish. important. It is important. I know it gets wonkish and I know it gets technocratic, but I think it it really is important. It is. It is. I mean, this is what the Supreme Court's going to look like. And it's sobering, I'll say that. Running away. Yeah. It really is. I, and I just think that a lot of people didn't realize. And I, I just think it's I'm important one to of recognize. Them. I'm one of them. I didn't realize quite how bad it was. Yep. It was already a rightward shift and it's gotten more. So good times ahead. All right. Do you have anything else to add? No. I'm sorry for, I'm sorry for bringing everybody <laughs> down. Okay, well, that's it for this episode, I think. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, make sure to check out the audio podcast on iTunes, uh, Google Play Music, uh, Pocket Cast. Um, and actually, you can visit the, you can get the direct RSS feed. If you go to the YouTube channel for this, which is youtube.com, search for Don't Call Me Political, at the bottom of every video, I have the, uh, the link to the direct RSS feed. So if you have a different RSS or a different podcast app, you can add it from there. Um, it would be really appreciated if you could subscribe and rate on any one of those podcast services. Subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com. Don't call me political. Uh, you can get in contact with us, gmail. Dot, or, well, don't call me pretentious at gmail.com. Hey, hey, if you subscribe, subscribe, ask us a question in the comments. And yes. we, will, we will answer it. We, we got a comment on the first video. Do you know what it no, was? No, no. What is it? It was from nude porn girls and it said hi. Oh, well, hi. <laughs> I deleted it. I deleted ah, it because it was spam. Okay. Well, fair enough. Um, also, you can get in contact with us on Facebook, facebook.com slash don't call me political uh, and twitter.com slash at DCM pretentious. All right. See you guys later. Bye.